That sounds too good to be true. Now, you've probably said or thought that phrase at some point in your life, probably in response to some event or opportunity that sounds positively unlikely. How would you like a free candy bar? You've won an all-expenses-paid trip to Cabo San Lucas. Our teacher said we don't have any homework this week. If you've heard a phrase like that, chances are you got a little bit suspicious. If you're savvy, you're wondering if somebody is trying to trick you or take advantage of you in some way. You've learned that this world does not often give something for nothing or even give something for very little. Paying attention to these kinds of things, well, disbelief, it's a natural response. Now, did you know that there is an exclamation point, or excuse me, a punctuation mark that can help you convey that disbelief? I don't know if you have a favorite punctuation mark. I do. It's not the period. That's too matter of fact. It's not the semicolon or the colon because they are both kind of meh. The exclamation point, the question mark, they can be a little bit more exciting, especially when you use them in other languages and you get to flip them upside down. But it's not those. Now, how can any one of those punctuation marks allow you to convey a mixture of incredulity and inquisitive excitement? Enter the interrobang. How many of you are familiar with the interrobang? Thank you. All right. We've got this is our first takers at three services so far this weekend. <laughs> the interrobang is a combination of an exclamation point and a question mark, one superimposed upon the other, and for good reason. The interrobang allows you to make use of those times when you are left surprised or wondering, usually in response to questions such as, I won the grand prize for how much? Or, you sat in traffic for five hours? Or, it snowed in D.C. in early April? I suspect that St. Luke might have used the interrobang in his account of the events of that early Easter afternoon had it been invented sometime before 1962, or had they used really any punctuation marks in the early New Testament manuscripts. The opening verse of today's reading might sound something a little bit more like this. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit and said, Huh? The disciples were still reeling. They had heard this news, this report from these two disciples who had just run back from Emmaus, having seen and walked with and had a meal with the risen Lord. Jesus is alive? How could that be? They had seen him crucified. They had seen where his body had been buried. Now, some of the women, along with Peter and another disciple, had come back with another report that the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid is now empty. But alive? And then, suddenly, 
Jesus was with them, standing among them. Was he a ghost come to exact his vengeance for them upon their faithfulness, faithlessness, how they deserted him in his hour of greatest need? No. He is proclaiming peace. And he's showing them his hands and his feet. He's showing the scars of the crucifixion on his resurrected body. It's Jesus, alive. As Luke records it, the disciples disbelieved for joy. We might say that they thought this was too good to be true. So what does Jesus do? He joins them for a meal. The risen Lord has fish with his disciples, eating with them, showing them that he is not a ghost or a spirit, but a real person. They can see him. They can hear him. They can reach out and touch him. Jesus replaces doubt with faith. Jesus shows his disciples with flesh and bone and fish that he is alive. It's what he told them was going to happen. Sharing this meal, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He showed them that he was the fulfillment of God's promise to send a savior for the world, to break the power of sin and death. Through his life, through his passion, through his death and through his resurrection, Jesus overcame sin and the separation from God that comes right along with that sin. The whole of what we know of the old of what we know as the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the prophets, the writings, all of this pointed to the work that the Messiah would accomplish, the restoration of all things that we hear the apostles speaking of in our reading from Acts this morning. It's as if Jesus took the whole picture of the scriptures and suddenly snapped it into focus for them. That is a clarity that we all need. In days when the news reports are filled with word of civil war, chemical attacks, and missile strikes, we celebrate news that sounds too good to be true. Jesus is alive. Really alive with his disciples. You and I have this good news to carry out and proclaim in the faith that comes through Jesus' name. You, you who bear the name of Christ, you are representatives of a living flesh and blood Savior who has come into the world to conquer death. He has come to deliver the renewal and restoration of all things, including our relationship with God and our relationship with the people around us. He has come to deliver victory that will reshape our world and our brokenness. And it begins right here. Jesus' disciples were amazed. They were astonished as he stood among them on Easter afternoon. But here's a good rule of thumb. Don't be surprised when Jesus shows up where he says he will be. And you know what? He says he'll be here. He says he'll be with you as you gather in his name. He says he will be here at his table 
where he has promised to be. Jesus comes to be among his people to overcome doubt with a meal, replacing that doubt with faith. He comes to share his table with you, giving himself as the food and the drink. He comes to forgive sins and deliver renewed and restored life with God. In Holy Communion, Jesus is, again, truly and bodily present, though in a different way than on that first Easter. Christ's flesh and blood are given in the meal that we share, in, with, and under the bread and the wine. Not as mere symbols, but as God's sure pledge that he is here for you. He is here with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In the Lord's word, in his supper, you can see and hear and touch him even now, even as we look ahead to that day of resurrection and restoration when we get to be in his presence, flesh and bone in the renewed and restored creation. Jesus is alive, truly alive, and he lives for you and me and for our neighbor too. He's given himself to redeem all of us, to bring us back from sin, to bring us back from our doubting of God's grace. And you have a Savior who is still flesh and bone, not a ghost, not a figment of anyone's imagination. And even in uncertain times, he is here to bring the clarity that comes by his name in life as God's beloved child. Jesus is the living witness of God's love for every human being. And he sends you, he sends you out into the world to be his witnesses in flesh and bone. As you share a meal with your neighbor, listen, listen to their doubts. And then speak the peace that Jesus brings. Christ is risen. Jesus is alive? That sounds too good to be true. But this news is that good. And it is most certainly true. Amen.